0: Are you ready? So who in your house is the one who is never ready? Anybody want to confess? I won't say any names, but maybe I will. Maybe in our house it's Grace Hope Joe Glory. <laughs> that are never ready. Are you the one that's always saying, "Are you ready yet? Well, As Megan alluded to with the children, we're going to be talking about that, being ready. And the passage we're going to look at today is all about that. So we're going to look at a parable Jesus taught um, to his disciples and those around at the time in Matthew chapter 25. And it's called the parable of the ten virgins. So let's check this out, these first five verses. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins... Who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. All right, we're going to stop there. So, as always, like I always tell you, context is always important here. This parable that Jesus is telling really is formed by the Jewish wedding rituals of that time. Now, it would be a little, if we had ten virgins going out to meet the bride and the groom here in America in 2023 to take them to their new home, we would think that's a little weird, right? But this is the custom rituals of that day the 10 virgins we call them bridesmaids are were to go out and meet the bridegroom and the bride and then they could take them to their new home or escort them to their new home so that's the context here and so the fact that all 10 here that Jesus is talking about are virgins and all 10 are waiting for the bridegroom is important because Jesus is not contrasting here between good and bad people. He's not contrasting between religious and pagan people. These 10 virgins are all the same. The only difference is, is that five of them, Jesus tells us, brought oil with them for their lamps and five of them did not they were not prepared so these virgins represent the Christian church here on earth this is what Jesus is talking about so it could be any one of us here these 10 these 10 virgins the bridegroom is obviously Jesus that's who the bridegroom is And the oil for their lamps. So the five brought oil, the five did not. Jesus calls them foolish and wise. The oil here represents faith, which is produced through the word. That's what this oil is. So they all had oil, but five of them were wise and had extra oil. So an important reminder here, and it's up on the screen. Faith is a gift from God, something we cannot obtain on our own. And Jesus said there, it's on the screen in John six sixty-three. it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Faith is a gift that the Holy Spirit works in us. When we were baptized in the waters, we were given the gift of the Holy Spirit who created that faith in us and continues to sustain that faith in us. Let's go on to the next part of this parable that Jesus taught. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came, also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. All right. Things are getting serious here. The virgins who did not have enough oil were not allowed into the wedding feast. They were not ready. They were not prepared. They were not living out their so-called faith. Remember, faith is a gift, but if we just act like dummies the rest of our life, just saying we have faith doesn't really mean a whole lot. And that's what's going on here. So I ask you the question: how full is your lamp? You know, in Matthew 5:16, we learn what our purpose is here as God's children. In the same way, and this is Jesus speaking, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father. Who is in heaven? Is it an accident that Jesus tells a parable involving light? No. Light is an example of our faith. James chapter 2, 14 through 17 says this. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Yikes. Right? If you say you are a follower of Jesus, if you say you are a Christian, if you say you are one of God's children, it should be very obvious by the light that is shining through you. And if it's not, it might be time to start getting some oil. We're going to talk about that in a second. So in other words, this James 2 passage here is very, he's very blunt. In other words, it's saying, but not doing. Are we saved by our works? No. We are saved because Jesus died on the cross for our sins, but because of that, we get to do good works. We get to shine that light through us to all those around us. You know, when we do baptisms here, we give them the the candle. We light it from the Christ candle. The reason is, is because we now are shining that light through us in our daily lives. And if we're not, that's a problem. James said, your faith is dead. So I got some tough questions here for you to think about here this morning and in this upcoming week. Do you walk the walk or do you just talk the talk? Are you just a Sunday morning Christian? You know, it's easy to come and be a Christian here, right? It's easy to shine our light here with everybody else. This is important. But are you just a Sunday morning Christian? Do you put Jesus first? Or do you put Jesus first when there's an opening on your calendar? Even though I wrote that question out, I convicted myself. How often do I do that in my own life? Oh, I got some time here, maybe I'll pray now. How can you fill your lamp? your lamp? How can you shine your light? How can you be ready for when the bridegroom comes? The foolish virgins were not ready. The wise virgins were ready and prepared for the bridegroom. And because of that, the five foolish virgins were locked out of the wedding feast. Because they had insulted the bridegroom by not being ready and prepared. So here's some examples of filling your lamp so you can be ready and prepared when the bridegroom comes. Continually repenting of your sins. That's why we do it every Sunday in our worship service, confession and absolution. We need to continually, and not just on Sunday morning, Confess to God how we are sinners in need of him. That's helping us be prepared. Having a humble faith. Jesus came to not be served, but to serve. Being willing to suffer for Christ's name and denying yourself. Reading God's word helps us. The Holy Spirit works through this when we read it, when we listen to it here on Sunday, when we hear it, when we listen, when we read. That helps shine our light so we're prepared. Coming to church, this is very important. Receiving the very body and blood of Jesus in this meal helps us in our faith. And then a couple weeks ago, remember I talked about law and gospel. A big thing that Luther really started to teach when the Reformation started, the law and gospel. The law, Jesus summed up, love God, love neighbor. But we screw it up, don't we? And this is exactly why Jesus came the first time on Christmas. Christmas. Because we can't do it. We keep screwing it up. He came the first time so that he could die on the cross for our sins. Because we can't do it. So why does Jesus use marriage here, this marriage imagery in this parable? Well, Scripture repeatedly compares the relationship between Christ and the church as husband and wife. Again. Right before this in Matthew, Jesus is talking about the end times. ah. And he also tells another parable about the marriage feast. You know, this is one of those amazing crimson thread connections here in the Bible that you know I get very excited about. This wedding feast. So I want to read to you from Isaiah chapter 25, way back, Way before Jesus was born, Isaiah 25, verses 6 through 9. On this mountain, I love the mountain theme, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well-refined, and he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations he will swallow up death forever and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. This mountain, this wedding feast, that's heaven. And that's going to be some good meat and some good wine. Let's jump to Revelation. The end of the Bible. Remember, this is just one book connected by the crimson thread. And so Jesus using the parable of the ten virgins waiting for the bridegroom is no accident. It's all connected by the thread. Look at what it says in Revelation chapter 19. Then I heard, this is John the disciple, then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, and the angels, hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride, that's us, has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. And the angels said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. The marriage feast, being in heaven with Jesus, the bridegroom. And then in Revelation 21, we hear this passage a lot at funerals. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Sounds a lot like Isaiah, doesn't it? Last verse of the parable here that Jesus told. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Jesus is very clear here. Don't listen to all those people out there that are so obsessed with cracking the code of the Bible to figure out when Jesus is coming back. They don't know. Look at what Jesus said right here. It doesn't matter what's happening right now. It doesn't matter that there's a a war in Israel or a war in Ukraine or there's rumors of wars. That's been going on since Jesus rose and went back to heaven. All this stuff has already happened There's been disasters, there's been natural disasters, there's been all kinds of evil all over the world. Every generation thinks this has got to be it, right? Aren't we saying that right now? This has got to be it. Who knows? For you know neither the day nor the hour. The only thing, Satan and evil have already been defeated. Revelation, this is what Revelation is all about. It's not about cracking a code. It's about the lamb already reigning on the throne. He's already won. We don't need to worry about the end times because we're saved, right? The only thing that hasn't happened yet is Jesus coming back. In the parable of the ten virgins, we see that the bridegroom was delayed. That's what Jesus said, delayed. Guess what? When Jesus died, rose, and ascended back up into heaven, since that point, we are now in that delay. Jesus could come at any moment. I'm going to say this slowly. The time is now to be in God's Word and to be living out your faith, to be shining that light. Why? Because Jesus is coming. Are you ready? Amen.